Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Briar Moss can curse in five different languages. We mostly curse in English, so if you're listening around English speakers, you may want to make sure they're okay with curses. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're reading chapter 11 of Street Magic. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's eat good. begins with Briar and Evie going to her squat. Briar absolutely detests the way that the place smells, and Evie doesn't even notice. Oh, I think somebody could go. You don't like go? Briar confirms that Evie, that the rock hides where Evie lives. They quickly gather the cats into baskets. Evie has stones of all varieties pushed into the walls of the rock walls of her cave. And so Briar has her get them out and gather them up so that they can go research them when they get home. And then they go back. Evie really wants to go to Lady Zanadia's house because Briar has to go deliver her tree. And Briar says, no. And Evie's like, but, but, but. And he says, no, I am your teacher now. You asked for it. So I say, no. So Briar goes to deliver the tree alone. And when he gets there, Bitchy McBitchface is there with Juba Huba. And she's like, Master Stone Slicer has said that he was a little too hasty and would gladly teach her while she lived with me, blah, blah, blah. And Briar can see that she has scared the fuck out of him. Briar is like, I don't think you understand. We're taking her to Yanjing with us, which is total bullshit. But he's trying to shut down the conversation because he does not trust this lady. She kind of rounds on him and she's like, are you talking to me, snotty little mage? 
You and dare he's like, defy me? And he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm talking to you. And he stares her down and she's like, okay, fine. And then on his way out, he talks for the second time with some trees that are growing remarkably well for this old tired land that they're living in. Flourishing. And he says, what are they feeding you? And they say, food, good food. One of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and disliked about the chapter. Brittany, tell us all about being a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so the only one that I marked that I liked in the chapter, because I thought this chapter was kind of boring, was when Briar was thinking, is this how parents live? Do the kids just keep asking the same questions even after the answers change? Do they question everything out of the person's mouth? And yes, yes, they do. Oh my goodness. And I'm fixing to have a second one. So it's going to be double. I, I, I want to let her build her curiosity and be curious. But at times it's like, child, you're driving me absolutely bonkers. I had two dislikes when Lady Bitchy McBitchface was like her childish attempts to order her life rather than to fit obediently into her proper place will end. She will thank us both for that one day. Like... Bitch, you're going to control her life? No, no. She has a right to make her own decisions about her own life. Ooh, I wanted to smack her. And then my other dislike is like, it wasn't saying anything about what the good food was, but we already can tell that it's the bodies of all the dead vipers, I'm sure. So that's, that's very creepy. And uh, I have a feeling there's going to be um, some more bodies added to said good food, especially now that she's pissed that Briar defied her. I guess that's one way to bring the land back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just kill everybody in town and then just bury them everywhere and you'll have gardens everywhere. You'll be great. You'll be good to go. Exactly. The land will come back because there'll be nobody bothering it and they'll have lots of good food. Exactly. Rich food, even. Mm-hmm. Very rich. Mm. Tasty. Lady Zanadia is actually doing good for this place. This is some like movie <laughs> supervillain like logic I'm hearing right now. Right? She's the hero. She is the hero, guys. We thought she was bad, but no, after reading this chapter, it's clear to me she is doing the right thing. She's trying to help the environment. As a plant person, I actually do want to talk about that a little bit. The fact that you do put bone meal into some plants because that's the only way that they'll grow. It's actually a legitimate gardening technique. There's a lot of people who fish and take back their catches. They'll clean the meat, cook that up, have that for dinner. They'll leave the head and the innards in their garden. It, it did mention something like that in this chapter too about fish. And he's like, but this place is, isn't near water. So there's not yeah. a whole lot of fish here. If you see plants growing in a certain formation, most likely what's there is a dead body because of how they grow. They grow around the edge of it rather than over top of it. But when they grow around the edge of it, it's because of all of the nitrates that are leaving the body. They're just like, oh, look, food. And so they grow around the edge of it so they can grow in to make those nutrients last longer rather than to sit directly on top of it. Plants are well, smart, man. They are crazy is, smart. 
also Briar did mention something about whatever it is was probably chopped up and minced and mixed into the dirt. Yep. So but that's it, uh, probably what it was instead of uh, them just burying a body, like you're saying, because then it would a particular pattern. And it seems like the whole thing is pretty lush. Since we're having this conversation, I've been waiting for this for a couple of chapters. I'd just like to mention that when Briar first met Lady Zanadia, he was like, she's like one of those old women who gets bored. Those women usually do things like X and Y and Z and gardening. He talked about old women who get bored taking up hobbies. And one of the hobbies specifically mentioned was gardening. I had to resist the urge to say a whole lot about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say a whole lot more until like chapter, what, 13 is it? I think it's chapter 13 is the next time I can actually say something without having to rein it back in. This specific scene of asking the plants, what are they feeding you, has stood out for me since the first time I read this book. Every time I read this book, I get to that and I still get chills because it's granted now it's because I've read the end and I know but that that first time I read it I was like oh god it's bodies that's how she's not got caught yet she's putting the bodies in the garden oh no I feel like with it being as lush as it is and the land being as tired as it is someone should have caught on a lot quicker like oh there's some lush area over here yeah the bitch is rich but how the fuck does she have enough money to be able to make it as pretty as it is? Well, you also have to imagine she has a fuck ton of gardeners on her payroll. She has a lot of money and most people don't go by her garden. When they come into her place, they do not go past the garden. Most people who have questions who do get past that and do see the garden, it's not necessarily a oh, something's being done here, it's a, oh, she has some really good gardeners. Or they become part of the garden themselves. That's what I was just about to say. (laughs) Yeah. If the gardeners catch on, and they're the ones who are most likely to, or to inform people, then uh, they get to join the trees. They also get to be a tree forever. Yay. Flexing his hands, he realized his wrist daggers had dropped out of their sheaths into his palm. He kept them there. So he hadn't even realized that he had armed himself. And then when he did, he's like, oh, well, gotta keep him now, I guess. Already out, may as well. Something that I just, I don't know why I like it, but um, the quote, much battered God figure, a smiling fat man with shriveled flowers at his feet, being in Evie's house. There's something about it that I love because the most we see of religion is primarily in winding circle. Now in Pasco's book, we also do see the the gods and goddesses that his family have that they worship. But we don't really see just everyday people because Harriers are a, they're not normal people. They're not everyday people. But Evie, who is a street rat with nothing, has a god sitting in her house. I just love that so much. He still felt not like someone who deserved the title, but an imposter. I'm just like, me too. Fucking me too, Briar. I also don't feel like any collection of words in which people use to describe me. I am an imposter. Yeah. I feel that way about being a mom sometimes. Like, wait, I have a kid? 
I, I have to take care of this person? She looks up to me? Why? I'm gonna fucking kill her. <laughs> like, like for me, like I like to write. I love writing. I don't do it as often as I want to because, well, hooray, work and <laughs> bullshit drama. But then I see people like Molly who just go and what they write is so good. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not a writer. That's a writer. But what you write is amazing too. Oh my goodness. But, I have read you, so much of your stuff. And it is all so good. Okay. So Both I'm going to very good writers. I'm going to revisit that line, that last line that I said with my magic, because I have another line and they go together. You really kind of hit most of mine. The parent quote, I'm not a parent, but I've seen some of my friends with kids be like, yes, things are this way because this is how they're done. Oh, but why? Uh, Because that's what the scientific method says is correct. But why? Because all the evidence leads to the fact that this is correct. But why though? It is nonstop. And kids are great. I, I can see that getting very annoying. You do your best to not do the whole because I said so, but like legit sometimes I don't blame you because holy shit, that would be so annoying. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's frustrating. <laughs> I liked it when Evie blushed when, what was it? She wouldn't say that she was wrong, but she wouldn't admit that Briar might be right. It was so sweet. Like, you know, just a kid and you're just like, you know, oh, you know, I know I changed my mind saying I wanted you to go with that other teacher, but like, you know, I'm not gonna. They're so cute. I am very surprised that Indy did not bring this up. I love the plant personalities. You always kind of get it with Briar, but I feel like it really comes out in this chapter. And I love how he's talking to the trees about what kind of food do you have? And the fig is like, uh, Dad, hello, pay attention to me. Stop paying attention to those overgrown. I am more important. I am your child. Stop talking to those (laughs) other plants that have nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. It reminds me of being a parrot. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You talk to other kids around your kid and they're like, no, and they cling on to you. And they're like, mommy, 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 trying to get your attention while you're talking to other kids. Like, you get all my attention all the time. I can talk to another kid for two seconds. It's not like I'm going to replace you with this child. Calm down. Much like animals. Yes, Bubby, I love. Um, (laughs) uh, I said much like animals and pointed in the general direction of my cat. And he turned his head and he slow blinked at me. And then he looked away. Love you too, buddy. But like like most animals and people, plants do have personalities. I had a coffee plant. No one else could breathe near this coffee plant because if somebody else put water in this coffee plant, like to to water it while I was gone, it would wilt and lose all of its leaves and effectively go into shock and hibernation. And I would get home and I go, why do you act like this? And then I'd water it and I'd clean it up a little bit. And like three days later, it's, oh, hi, I'm fine now dramatic little asshole so dramatic (laughs) also when he is repotting the larch that whole bit about how it was kind of disgruntled and didn't really want to be repotted because it didn't want to be moved but it kind of knew like okay i'll be happier once once this is all done with it reminded me of the second harry potter book when they're repotting the mandrakes oh my god Mm, yeah because 
because the mandrakes aren't happy when they're being taken out of their pot and they aren't happy when they're being put in their new pot. Screaming violently. Ah! It's like, chill your shit. I feel like Briar is a lot more <laughs> gentle about it, though, in, in the Harry Potter books. They just yank them out of there. This is true. This is true. I, I would be screaming, too. Briar might be horrified by that. Yes. He'd be like, why are you screaming? Calm down. I, don't, I feel like Mandrake probably wouldn't scream with Briar. Briar would probably soothe it first. Like, okay, there's no reason to scream. It's going to be okay. <laughs> And I feel that the fact that he can communicate with it, too, uh, mm-hmm. is also very helpful. Yes. Yes. So I feel just... like there'd be a lot less screaming involved. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because it says that when he's repotting it, he kind of tells it, okay, lift up your roots. Mm-hmm. And he can mm-hmm. get it out on nice and easy. Because he's done it three times already with this plant. And it's yeah. like, I don't really like this, but I know it's going to be better for me. So I guess I won't complain too much. Yeah, just suck it up. Briar's sensitive nose. I, like, so, basically... so delicate now. What a delicate little flower <laughs> Briar has become. <laughs> what I love about this chapter is the description. It literally says at some point, Briar's sensitive nose, which is not how Briar would have been described four books ago. No. Uh, and then a heap of rags cackled and turned into an old woman. <laughs> that was good. S- such good description. I know that we we don't see this character very long, but I really like Evie's relationship with Kindling. Kind of nice having a fellow countryman, even if you didn't know your country all that well or anything, but someone that can speak your language, your, your original language, and even learn something about your culture is really nice in this a shitty situation that they're in. Comforting for the both of them, I'm sure. I'm hoping eventually Briar goes out of his way to learn the language so he can talk to her in her native language that would mean so much to her probably would yeah no one briar i think he will another description that i like is steps so old they were worn like bowls and i loved hearing just kind of the history like i know briar hates this place but i really enjoyed hearing like the little bits of history about it and how evie was like yeah there was a cave-in once and this used to be the back door, but now it's the front door because it's the only door. <laughs> it, it is very cool world building, but also uh, incredibly horrifying. The more I hear about this town, the more I feel it shouldn't exist. Because he's worried about cave-ins and she's like, yeah, that happens all the time. No big deal. He's like, no, uh, okay, that, what that the sh- fuck? I'm not going to ask any more questions because, oh my he, God, that's scary. He, he, he does not want to know the mm-hmm. answers to his questions. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrifying. Briar's idea for Evie to grab the rocks and take them home so that they could look them up together. I thought that was a really great idea. A good teacher moment. I was like, look at you being a teacher. You thought you weren't any good at this. Him bringing the tree to Lady Zanadia's house is described as installing the tree. Like, I just, I, I was just amused that she chose that, that word. It's like waiting for the uh, cable guy to show up at your house. Like, oh yeah. I'm supposed to show up. Like, he's going to go install a tree in my house. <laughs> the rich view mages, not as honored guests, but as very expensive servants. We talked Ooh. about this earlier. Yarin with Rosethorn with Stone Slicer keeps coming back. 
Yeah, I know the we've talked at length about Zenadia's garden, but there's kind of a throwaway line. There's just like a brief mention of she's zero scapes, which is awesome. I used to live in New Mexico, which is a desert. It's generally not good to have like a fancy green lawn in New Mexico because there's no fucking water. It is better to zero scape, which is where you make like really beautiful like desert garden type areas with rocks and like cacti and things that are natural to the area and don't need a lot of water. So he specifies that she has these like lush areas, but then a lot of her garden is actually zero scaped. And I was like, yay, cool. You're a bitch, but I like your garden. (laughs) It's like, is that, I I don't believe it's for conservation reasons, just because she doesn't want to spend money probably, but for, it's nice. I feel like we got another moment of Juba Huba being an asshole here. When he said, when he's talking about the miniature trees and Briar's like, oh, I'm impressed. Like, oh, do you study miniature trees? Like, that's cool that you know the forms because a lot of people don't. And he was like, I was forced to learn. You're such an asshole. Well, he he probably has the same view as Evie is that they're stone killers. That's true. But since he's a palace pet, he has to know those kinds of things. There was something I forgot to mention earlier and we kind of started talking about it before we started recording, but I really actually like this chapter like a lot the social and like psychological not fight but like the wrangling done between the Zanadia and Briar kind of having this social interaction that's very hostile but still um relatively pleasant I guess like it it wasn't as bad as it could have been business got conducted I mean, I but, still um, feel like it was pretty proper. Yeah. They're being proper and polite. Only as much as necessary. Yes. Like, and to not make things worse. But I like that, like, social wrangling of, like, her being, are you, you know, defying me? And he's like, you want this tree or not? Like, he's deflecting <laughs> it. But, like, he's still defying her, but not directly. <laughs> yeah, he's going through the motions, but he's still being, like, mean to her because she's being a jerk which is great. And also, like, the implications of this chapter are really, really strong. The fact that we, we don't know 100%, but we're pretty much assured that what these trees and her garden are feeding off is dead people, but it didn't tell us that it's people, but we know. And the fact that uh, Jebelu is there is uh, kind of fucking horrifying, too. How much power does this lady have if she can just call up the city's primary or really sole stone mage and be like, hey, come here, you need to reconsider what you talked about, you know, with this potential student. He's like, and he comes in and he's like cowering. He seems very chill, but like when she gets mad at Briar, he starts like recoiling back, even if it's not directed at him. We kind of know that he's a spineless like douche, but the fact that she was able to just call him up to show up and talk to Briar is very disturbing in its implications of just how much power she has. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what she is capable of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Part two of our three-step reading process is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or message in this chapter. What theme or message did you find? I see mental chess as as the theme. It's not necessarily so much with Briar and Evie. The, I know this is what, Evie's gonna want so this is kind of how we have to play this this is what I need to do to make this work and it works and then the the 40 chess of trying to play nice while also being like I'm not gonna take a shit with Briar there's just a lot of a lot of mental chess going on the importance of proper nutrition retrieve me <laughs> Uh, I was like, that was a joke. Is anyone gonna laugh? Please, Uh, that was fucking great. (laughs) Joke aside, though, yeah, because you think about it, Evie has been feeding her cats and her neighbor because they don't get a lot of food, so she's trying to give them good food as well. Anytime she can seek some food to them, she's been doing it. Yeah, so there is a joke there. And I appreciated that joke. That joke was really good. <laughs> but I also see that there is an actual grain of truth in that. There is. There is. And, and it's the best kind of joke, right? When when there is a little chunk of something you can get out of it. <laughs> also, plants need food too, I guess. I don't know. Uh, good. Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> plants need people too. I mean, need. Plants need people too. Humans have plants. what plants crave. The animal eats the plants. The human eats the animal. The human dies, and the plant goes all according to plan. <laughs> it's a circle of life. It is. That is literally a 
broken down, oversimplified circle of life. I, I'm not really sure how to put my theme into words, I guess. The thing I found was like the different class systems and how they live. Because at the beginning of this chapter, you see the way Evie lived, which was the poor district. And then seeing all the different social interactions there with her meeting her friend there. And then her trying to feed everybody, even though she didn't have much herself. And then the second half of this chapter, you see the total opposite of Bitchy McBitch's palace, house, whatever, being super rich and doing whatever the, whatever the fuck she wants, not having any care about anybody, just wanting to, being bored and wanting to buy things and people, chopping people up and putting them in her garden. <laughs> no respect for life whatsoever. And you would think with having money that you would want to help people out. And then Evie being poor and not having anything is actually the one that's helping others out. What you do doesn't have to be defined by money. You can do good with no money and do horrible things with money. Yes. It's it's all on how you are as a human being. Much like actual life. Because my problem... So I went a completely different direction. And I don't know if this really counts as a theme, but I wrote foreshadowing and i can't say anymore because foreshadowing (laughs) oh no oh no someone's gonna get eaten by a tree aren't they also why haven't those protection balls shown up yet where are they at are they coming in this book at some point surely they must be you'll just have to wait and see all i'm saying is i wrote down a lot of shit and wrote foreshadowing interesting okay uh Cameron Pierce doesn't just write things randomly to not bring them back in, so... This was a well-crafted chapter. So Brittany said she found this chapter kind of boring. Goodwin liked it because he liked the political chess. I felt like this chapter was really fucking intense. And I was like, oh my god, because it is well-crafted and leads very nicely up to our finale. No, <laughs> that it does left and I will not. I will restrain myself. Very interesting. Part three of our three-step reading process is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter? Mine's kind of simple and I feel it fits for everybody. I know we all have these feelings. I I mentioned it earlier with the, uh, he still felt like not someone who deserved the title, but an imposter. And then a couple of pages later, it's, I didn't think it was any special when I did it. The two together for me is you can feel like an imposter and good Lord, do I constantly feel like I am. But Brittany actually brought up something. Like in the middle of me giving praise to Molly. And Molly is a writer. Molly is a good. The world building that Molly has done is uh, breathtaking. I can't think of a better word. It is absolutely amazing. I love it so much. And then I look at my stuff and go, eh. Because I don't feel like I put as much into it. I mean, I know I put a lot into it, but I feel like it's not reflected. And I'm not comparing us as in like a, you know, tearing me down to build you up. That's not what this is. This is just an example. 
my imposter syndrome comes from seeing all of these people who do so much better work than me. And then Brittany was the only person to believe in the first novel I wrote, was the only person to believe in it. She She's still mad that I didn't finish it the way she wanted me to finish it. But I need to try and tackle the behemoth, but I don't really have time or energy or much of a desire to, though I might put it on a flash drive and print it off at work before I quit. (laughs) There's a lot of pages though. So, and so when someone's like, but it's really good, I hear a lot of people who go, not that special. I didn't think it was that special when I did it. They don't have the, the same belief as those around them have in the story or in the painting or in, you know, the drawing or whatever they were doing. It's not special. It wasn't special when I did it. And it's really this incredible thing that doesn't deserve to be put down or belittled just because you were the one who did it. I need to remember that. (laughs) So like you can't entirely base your self-worth on other people's opinions of you but sometimes you need to listen to other people realize that you are devaluing yourself it was a weird weird way to phrase all of that just because you don't think it's special doesn't mean it is i feel like we need to uh get together and do some like workshopping or something i I, I really i need to i need to work on this because i need somebody to get excited about my story and then i need somebody who i can get excited about their story and then we can just do nothing but talk each other's characters all day long i don't have a personal magic because i couldn't think of one Aside from sure. proper eating, food, make eat, eat your <laughs> food, either. veggies, drink your water, take care of yourself. Don't be made into plant food unless you want to be turned into plant food after you're dead. That's fine. <coughs> you know, take care of yourself. Brittany, did you say you don't have one either? Okay, well, I wrote down do what's right, not what's easy. Basically, the, the thing that this really boils down to is what Briar does here is really impressive to me. This is the type of person I want to be because at this moment, he's not exactly being threatened by her, but he is talking back to this rich noble lady. This could really fuck him up. He still does it because it's the right fucking thing to do. Yes. Be more like Briar when he's talking back to Lady Zanadia. Maybe not so much when he's killing people with roses. She's still alive, first of all. She's fine. Oh, she's not. Oh, Lady Zanadia? Or the, the girl he attacked with the roses? Because she's dead. Oh, well, he didn't. Dead. That's not his fault. She feeding the plants. I mean, it kind of was his fault. He didn't kill her. And but he didn't like... know that his actions would lead to her death. Exactly. That's true. But she is part of the plants now? He is dead. She is dead. At the end of our episode, we like to read an excerpt from the next chapter. This is an excerpt from chapter 12 of Street Magic. An image of his past came into his mind at the mention of garbage heaps. He'd been five or six, perhaps, when he stole a fine scarf. Two older boys had taken it, leaving Briar to gub an grub in the garbage behind an inn, hoping to find a morsel of food. The thief lord had met him there. He'd offer food and a gang and mates who wouldn't beat him up and take his prizes. By the time Briar learned that the 
that the two older boys belonged to another of the Thief Lord's gangs, and that they often set things up so street kids would be grateful to the Thief Lord, he was being trained as an all-around thief. So what makes me different from the vipers, he wondered gloomily, studying one of his palms. The inked green vines had not managed to conquer his right hand entirely. The scarred welt that ran across the scarred welt that crossed his palm would would not take the dyes, forcing the vines to twine around the three deep pockmarks where thorns had marked him for life. Long before Nico had taken him to Winding Circle, Briar had scaled a rich man's wall. When he touched a thick woody stem on the top, the thing had wrapped around his hand, snake-like. Its thorns had clung to his flesh well after Briar cut the stem free. The thief lord had sent him up there to steal a white stone statue he wanted for himself. It hadn't put food in the, mo- in the mouths of Briar's gang. Not only that, but he'd suffered for days after prying out those thorns until the thief lord had grudgingly paid a cheap healer to see to his wounds. Only difference between the lady and him was that she's born noble, Briar thought gloomily as he came into the intersection of Ateno Road and Karang Road. I was just as stupid as these vipers. All of us in kid gangs. There's always someone older around telling us what to do, who to rob, beating us when we don't do or say or think what they want. We put up with it because they tell us we mean something, but we don't, not to them. All we are to them is a tool for making them important. And I wanted that for Evie. So preoccupied was he that he didn't realize that he had company until his horse shied. Briar fumbled to get a better grip on the reins and brought the horse up with a firm hand. Five horsemen waited ahead, blocking his advance. They wore the orange shirts and trousers of the black turban of the watch, the city's law enforcers. All had weighted batons tucked into their black sashes. One carried a tall lance with a flag at the tip, an orange sun on a black field, the badge of the watch and its commander, the Mutabir. He was the emir's right hand and the law inside Shimmer's walls. Briar looked behind him. Five more horsemen of the watch rode out of a blind alley to cut off his retreat. One of the men rode ahead. One of the men ahead rode forward until he was a yard from Briar. Pahan Briar Moss of Winding Circle Temple in Summersea in Emelon, he intoned in a wooden voice. You are invited to speak with Mutabir Komet Don Polumri at once. Oh shit, she has some connections. Interesting. Oh man, this is about to get real. Mm-hmm. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. <laughs> Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or tell us what you think by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. Find all of our episodes at readingcircletemple.com and find more sound clips by following the Reading Circle Temple on SoundCloud. Never miss a post by following Reading Circle on Tumblr. You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Facebook and join the Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. See our cats by following Reading Circle Temple on Instagram. Or you can tweet at us at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. If you like their art, follow Yellow is for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our music. Find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. And today we're reading chapter nine. No, 12. 11. No, 11. <laughs>
but I have no idea. Of Briar's Eleven, Grove. right? We, we yes, eleven. 11. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what number this is. Eleven. So I'm just gonna start spouting numbers. <laughs> and today we're and let's eat good or let's. Uh, what was the thing again? I didn't write it down. God. That was it. You got it. Okay, just cut this part out. Got it in one. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.